Hello and welcome back to QC Uncut, your source for uncut, unedited, uncensored conversation with local newsmakers. I am your host, Sean Leary. Thanks a lot for tuning in. And today we have got um, one of the most successful and interesting singers and leaders of a band on the local music scene in recent years, certainly. Uh, it's Jenny Lynn Stacy, who is the front person for Jenny Lynn Stacy and the Dirty Roosters. And um, I've seen you guys a couple times. I've enjoyed your performances. And um, thank you very much for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about how the band got started. Uh, what are the origins? How long you guys been together? And how did, you know, the whole thing get kicked off? All right. Well... Let's see. We're in 2020. God damn. Um, so my first, uh, my first drummer. Um, we started jamming together, just kind of loosely, just as friends. Um, I'd say about seven years ago, and he liked my songs, and we weren't really doing much of anything other, other than playing to the walls in our living room. So. We hooked up, did that, um, decided we wanted to have that go further, um, got a bass player. That was a lot of fun. Um, things went really well, so then we decided to get a lead guitarist, and we went through a couple before we finally settled on Shane. And um, Shane's been with us for, I think, four years now, going on four years anyway. So in the last three to four years is when it's been really serious um in the last year especially has really stepped its game up so that's kind of how that all started it just friends just friends coming together and and then it grew to be something i did not expect (laughs) well tell us the names and uh the names of all the people in the band and what instruments they play sure so currently um well, uh, I play the rhythm. I play rhythm guitar, um, and I sing. And Shane Quaid is our lead guitarist. Um, Mark Gordon is our drummer. Joel Swanson plays the bass. And then we have Emily Castro. She's she's very new. Um, she's our backup singer. And we're actually, we're still looking to add another member because the polyphonic spree have so many people. I figured <laughs> I, I can get away with at least six. Uh-huh. So we're looking for a keyboard player, too. No tambourine? Well, we have a tambourine. We're just... Kyle Bell? Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so, how would you... And I know this is a kind of a generic question, but it is a necessary question to ask. Because people who have never heard a band before, they're wondering, like, what does this band sound like? How would you describe your sound to people who have never heard you before? And tell me about some of the influences that have kind of gone into the mix of the band. Sure. Um, we came up with a genre called Blue Trash because um, we really couldn't pigeonhole one particular thing. And it felt really pretentious when we would rattle off like eight different genres because we do span a lot of things. We all come from very different backgrounds. So Blue Trash, um, it's kind of a dirty, eclectic um Rockabilly, bluegrass influenced. Um, Shane has a lot. Shane has probably the widest influence out of all of us. Our drummer is a metal drummer um, originally, um, which has been really interesting. Um, I really like the double bass pedal in some of these songs, and I didn't think I would, but it's worked out. Uh, Joel, our bassist, also has a pretty wide influence from a lot of things. Um, I'm probably the only one that's like really stuck in one corner. I listen to a lot, but like influence-wise, it's mostly been bluegrass um, and like Appalachian music and um, old country and more like southern rock, dirty stuff um, has definitely just found its way into my brain and it won't go away. So that being said, like there are a lot of things at play here, and if you if we were to like all list our top favorite 10 songs they i think they would all vary quite a bit um and emily and i haven't had a whole lot of conversations about what she listens to i'm gonna admit like we're still kind of getting to know each other so i'm not sure um where she said she's a lot more hip than i am i know that she's younger and knows the ways of the music that is going on currently and knows a lot more than i do (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i mean 
that's really about all there is to that. Um, I do get frustrated when people label us as a bluegrass band because we are not that. No, I wouldn't. Having heard you, having heard you, I wouldn't say that you're a bluegrass band. Not at all. Um, I grew up playing bluegrass with my dad, um, and his his main instrument was the banjo and. I mean, bluegrass festivals and jam sessions at the house, and he toured the East Coast and played on the Grand Ole Opry and played with Bill Monroe and was friends with Rhonda Vincent and all these names that, like, most of my friends have no fucking idea who they are. Um, but I do, and I get really excited uh, whenever I talk about it because my dad was a big influence on me as well, I guess I should say. Um, if it wasn't for him, I mean, I remember being like four years old and watching him play the banjo in the kitchen and just being completely in awe that something like that even existed. Um, so that's, yeah, I'd say my dad is probably my biggest influence. And then um, they might be giants. I'm going to throw that in there because <laughs> I've been listening to them for a really long time. <laughs> that, that's one of the next things I was, I was going to ask you is how did you get started? I mean, obviously, I kind of already answered the question. Um, tell us a little bit about that growing up in a household like that, which was so musically inclined with a father who was obviously already kind of in business and was already going in this direction. Um, usually the two reactions of a kid are either to completely embrace it or completely reject it. Uh, what led you to completely embrace it and why was it so charming and entrancing to your imagination that it pulled you in um so i don't think i had a choice um (laughs) my dad and my mom said i started singing before i could talk um and my dad said i started figuring out like the harmonies to a lot of the songs he would listen to when i was very very young but he couldn't tell me that i was doing it because the minute he brought attention to it i'd stop so um they got me this little like 16 key electric organ when i was like five and it took me maybe a week before i figured out how to play the entire album of flood um on this thing and my dad hated it because it wasn't bluegrass Uh, (laughs) but it it was cool and music has just always been it's a constant in my life if it if it's if somebody in the house isn't playing it live it's in the background it's on the tv it's on my phone it's always somewhere um i can't really go a day without without it somewhere in my life um I, I sometimes I even think in music sometimes like I sing these stupid little songs in my head about whatever it is that I'm doing and then sometimes out loud and I embarrass my kids <laughs> but it's just always there or I'm tapping out a rhythm or something um and yeah I didn't have a choice it just was always there and I, I just don't think I know anything else um and I can't imagine my life without it at this point so it's a, it's an addiction it's I, I can't I can't stop it's interesting you mentioned they might be giants because that's not something that people having heard you would instantly go to that's not a band certainly but when you think about it they're such an unorthodox band and such an eclectic band in terms of influences once you mention it it really kind of makes sense because you guys do have a very kind of eclectic mix and throw things in there that um maybe seem disparate but seem to kind of fit in as a whole um What's your songwriting process? What, uh, when you go into it, um, you mentioned you kind of have these songs in your head that are constantly going through. It's a revolving soundtrack, which is another thing that's kind of interesting to me because I know a lot of people, I mean, and myself, you know, writing songs, certainly not on the same level, but, um, a lot of people that have they have that kind of innate like they, something just comes to them out of the ether and then i have other people who I, i'm r- real good friends with who are excellent songwriters who they have a, a great structural sense and they just know this goes with this and this goes with this and they'll sit down and they'll craft a song what's the process like for you um so example i will be doing the dishes and smack in the middle of it when my hands are still full of soap a song will hit me and i i do not go and grab my guitar and sit down and start writing i will lose it forever it's gone forever so it will hit me at the most inconvenient times i have lyrics on napkins and construction paper and a side cardboard whatever is nearby that i can write it down on i will um and I, I will finish the core of a song in about 30 minutes. It doesn't take me much longer than that. And if it does, I usually won't finish it. And if I don't finish it, it disappears. Um, I have 
probably a stack of over 50 songs that are unfinished that I just can't, I cannot get back into that loop again. Um, so yeah, once it hits, it goes. I mean, we've been in the middle of conversations and, <laughs> and I'm like, I, I gotta go. I have to leave. And it's now I don't even have to say anything. I can just get up and go. Um, it's happened to me in the car. It's happened to me in the middle of dinner. It happened to me in the middle of court one time. Obviously, I could not leave. Um, <laughs> but, like, this great song hit me about my ex-husband, and I was like, cool, I have to try. I tried to hang on to that. And I eventually got a good, I got a good song out of it, thankfully. Um, but I honestly wish I could sit down and structurally create something with more intention. Not that my songs were lacking intention. Everything is written about whatever it is that I've experienced in my life or somebody else in my life is experiencing at the time. Um, but not having that ability to like piece things together and come back to it at a later time is really frustrating. Um, I feel like I've lost a lot of potentially good songs because I can't get back into it. And I try, and I'll go back to it over and over again. There's still songs that I'm tackling that I wrote five years ago. Um, yeah, that sucks. Now that I think about it. <laughs> I need to get on that. Um, but yeah, it's just it's very quick and very abrupt. It's a flash in a pan. Like that's that's how it always goes. And uh, it's fun sometimes and like I said it's really aggravating other times uh, especially if you don't have time to sit down and, and do it and you're stuck doing something that requires you to be there and be present and pay attention so that's why I failed math in high school uh, <laughs> I was writing songs <laughs> are there are there any songs given the fact that um, your songs are based so much on your personal life are there any ones that are especially difficult to sing or that when you get on stage and you move towards them you have to kind of prepare yourself to sing them and has that ever been you know there's ever been a point when you've been on stage and you just been like this is going to be really tough to get through yes uh absolutely um one of my songs uh nighttime creep i don't play live so much anymore because it's difficult to get through um I was married once before, um, for about five years, and um, he was excruciatingly abusive in any way you can think of, and then think of something horrible, and he probably did that too. Um, we had three kids together, um, all conceived out of violence, um, and it was a really difficult situation um there was a lot of nasty things at play and we ended up having to flee uh, he put me in the hospital he finally went to jail for a very short period of time long enough for me to get my things out of the house and get out of there and for the first month after i left i slept with my lights on um and with furniture up against the door i couldn't sleep without the lights on so that song kind of Sorry, that song kind of pinpoints just laying in bed and not knowing if he was going to show up. Um, and it kind of goes back and forth between the past and, and while I was being abused and then after the, the aftermath of waiting. Um, because there was always a sense of, like, is he going to show up? Is he going to knock on my door? Is he not even going to try to knock on the door and just come through my window? Um, and that's a lot. That's a lot to carry. So sometimes... Depending on the night and depending on how much I've had to drink, which sounds really sad, but it's not. Um, depends on how well I can keep my emotions in check to play that song. So, not so much these days, but every once in a while, depending on the venue and the audience, kind of dictates whether or not that song comes out. And I do cry through it sometimes, and oh well. <laughs> but that makes it all the more genuine and, and all the more impactful, really. Yeah, I mean, it does. And... and, and um, I have a couple other ones that are rough to get. I wrote, I wrote one for, for my kids um, that I do not play live at all. There is one recording of it, and it is on YouTube. Um, about a year after I left my ex-husband, I found out he had molested our children. And I wrote an entire song about that experience. And our youngest is uh, on the autism spectrum, and she didn't she wasn't speaking at that point. Um, she didn't talk till she was about four. And... A lot of it was based around her mostly because she couldn't talk, and there were so many other ways she tried to show me that something was wrong. Um, and then my older two finally came came forward with it. So that song is... I can't even play that one live um, at all, at all. Uh, I break down not even 
like a minute into it um so i just save that for for the recording and people can hear it if they want to um i don't even like to listen to it it's i was in a really heavy place at that time when i wrote it and i don't like i don't like being taken back to that place um that was not that was not a good time at all <laughs> were there charges filed or any in that well <laughs> so it happened um it happened in Illinois. At this point, we had fled to Iowa and we're living below the hill on West 3rd Street. So, both Iowa and Illinois were involved. Um, DCFS, it was terrible. They were terrible. Um, they treated me very poorly. They blamed me for my kids being abused. They told me I should have known better. Um, well, they went and interviewed my ex husband and they interviewed his roommate and proceeded to tell me that he was an upstanding citizen and had done nothing wrong um the iowa side dhs were incredibly supportive um took my kids to a specialist um they founded the report even they said this absolutely happened and this is what he did and i have like a stack of paperwork a mile high saying as such um but they couldn't get charges brought over to iowa and illinois would not budge so the judicial system failed us entirely, and then they um, he appealed it. Uh, he appealed the decision in the state of Iowa. They had him on the sex offender registry, um, and he had to register every time he moved. But um, he won his appeal. I'm still not quite sure how that happened. Uh, there was enough evidentiary support that he absolutely should have been arrested. Um, so I'm not sure... I can't state what my speculations are. I'm not sure what happened. Um, I have some ideas, but I'm not allowed to talk about those ideas. Um, that was a really frustrating situation. So he essentially got off scot-free. Um, he spent three weeks in jail for putting me in the hospital. And um, then he continued to procreate with everybody on the face of the planet and moved back to Arkansas. And we still wait for him to pop up from time to time. I've not seen him in ten years. But um, And he's a musician as well, and there are actually people in this area that know who he is, and even though they know what he's done, still continue to support him and, and befriend him and support his music, which is blows my mind. <laughs> for, for legal reasons and such, should we preface any of this with allegedly or... And, okay. Nope. All of that is I'm fine. Like making, okay, I'm making sure. Like. Nope. And I'm I, like I'm not even going to say his name. So. Right. Um. I'm not even going to bother. Um. And anybody that knows this story, who hears this and knows it, already knows all of the details, and was probably involved somewhere in that. And um. That's that's their issue to deal with, not mine. So. Well, there's a paper trail involved, obviously. There if there was jail time and there was uh, DHS and everything involved, there's obviously a paper trail involved. Very much so. Um, and, um, yeah, we're going to change the topic. <laughs> Let's change the topic and something completely do a complete 180. Um, what, are, what are some songs that you really particularly enjoy playing that you and the band really kind of like that kind of bring you up? bring a lot of energy to you to the crowd and and why why do those songs really kind of like spark that fire in you um let's see um another fucking day is a song that we all really like to play um it's just it's very raw and it's really fast and really heavy and that's where some of mark's metal drumming comes into play especially at the end of the song and he really builds it up and it's a lot of fun and joel Usually Joel is not within my eyesight. I can't typically see him unless I completely turn around, which is hard to do when you're singing. Um, I finally stood off on one of the shows we did. I put myself off on stage right, which was a little weird for everybody, but it was so nice because I could see my whole band. And Joel gets really funky on that song, and he dances around, and it's it's just an absolute joy to watch everybody enjoy themselves. Uh playing that song in particular um we really like there's a version there's a song i have called peaches and there's like six different versions of that song and one of them is very fast and very heavy and super punk rock and we probably don't do that very often anymore but we should um that's another one everybody really gets into um especially the ladies because it's it's mostly about you know don't don't sell yourself short and be very aware of your worth um 
Like the, the main line in that is these peaches aren't free. Um, <laughs> and God damn it, they're not. <laughs> so um, that one always gets, gets, gets the ladies going pretty good, and that's fun. Um, I like that. There's a lot of camaraderie, and even the guys get into it. And, uh, and I pre That's a very different time now. There's a lot more support these days than, than there used to be. Um, I prefer it as another one that we really like. Um, it's a love song, which I write some love songs, and I hate it because um, I really don't like love songs. But damn it, you write what you know. Uh, <laughs> and that's and again, it's, it's just back to the fact that it's just faster paced and it's just it's just fun. And there's like a good little hoppy rhythm to it that kind of stays right on the front of that rhythm, and it hits. It's really it's weird to explain. I am not technically trained in any way, and I don't know music theory very well. It's all learned behavior. So. Uh, I can't describe things as well as I should be able to. That's hard. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> was your dad a self-trained musician? So he taught you in the same way that he did, so it was more instinctual. Oh, he didn't? Okay. No. My dad taught me, like, two songs and then was like, here you go. <laughs> now go figure it out. Um, I had lessons for about a month. Um, maybe it was a couple months. Um, and the first guy that started teaching me, super cool dude, and then he left like four weeks later. And then the other guy that came in, see, I would have been 14. Um, and I, my friend had slept over when, so she came with me to, and this is the same friend with the car on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had come with, she had come with me to my lesson. Can you really trust her judgment? Well, we were younger, so th- th- this whole thing hadn't even happened yet. Um, but my guitar teacher spent most of my lesson hitting on my 13 year old friend so and he was very much a grown man um hitting on your 13 year old friend he sure was he got fired that day he got fired he he was let go right after we left and i said dad i don't want to take lessons anymore and he said okay and i started figuring things out on my own and I'd slow the speed down on records, which mean I had to retune my guitar. Um, but that's I started teaching myself that way, and everything by ear at first. And then going to bluegrass festivals, I watched everybody else's hands and the chord changes, and I just had to keep up. And because if you don't keep up in bluegrass, you might as well just sit the fuck down mm-hmm. um, and be patient and just watch. Um, I get I I made my fingers bleed. Uh, a lot um just trying to keep up mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah um let's see what did my dad teach me he taught me like wildwood flower and blackberry blossom and uh everybody always wants you to play deliverance but deliverance in the bluegrass world is like playing stairway to heaven uh in a guitar shop and nobody wants to hear that shit anymore mm-hmm. so that's a no-no and we don't play that song um yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Although Stairway to Heaven doesn't quite have the the connotations and associations as deli- the theme from Deliverance. No, and it's unfortunate that dueling banjos ended up being used in that movie because it's such a good song. But now all you have is this fucking imagery of horrible things. <laughs> like, god damn it! What is it? What's another one? Um, Beatles song. What the fuck is it called? Oh my god! I just dropped it. Blackbird. Um, that's another one. You're not. You're not like you can't play that anywhere in any music shop, or people start yelling at you. And, or Sweet Home Alabama, which I really like Leonard Skinner, so I can't say anything. But this guy does not like that song. <laughs> we we run sound and lights. We we have a company that we're taking over, and there are lots of bands that play Sweet Home Alabama, especially when they're warming up, and then they play it again twice in their set, and it does get a little overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, you can only hear dun, 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 so many times. Like, uh-huh. and then sometimes they'll surprise you, and it's actually Kid Rock. <laughs> <laughs> but is that really a pleasant surprise? No, I, did, I didn't say it was a good surprise, but it's always a surprise. <laughs> because who would ever pick that willingly? Oh, shit. <laughs> So who are some of, um, aside from, they might be giants, obviously, who are some uh, other artists that you admire, whether or not they intentionally influence your sound or not? Who are some, you know, whether it's local musicians or whether it's people who are, you know, more known on the national or international stage? Right. Well, so 
Other than, yeah. So They Might Be Giants was the first one. Like, at four, I was probably, like, obsessed. Um, Cindy Lauper was really a big deal for me. Because um, I hadn't seen a lady who was that fierce and mm-hmm. looked that fierce. She made me want to be a rock star. Like... She's so un- she's so underrated. Really People is. really like don't give her the credit that she deserves because when you look at it you know, in the context, I mean, there's so many pop stars of the '80s like that. That mm-hmm. boy George, you know, right. you look back and you're like, holy crap, this guy was doing this 40 years. Like all these people were prince all these people were completely defying expectations and going outside of the box during a time when things were much 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 more conservative than they were today and people were far less accepting and you look at somebody yeah like cindy lopper who is such a unique person and just such a distinct force and the fact that she is a woman makes it all the more revolutionary because at the time like i mean aside from the post-punk era and the punk era women were not seen in that fashion where there was they were very fierce but she was also fun and she had such a colorful sense of style and fashion absolutely um no prince was another one he i oh my god um like prince and david bowie both were that's why i have stardust on my knuckles Uh um they not only opened me up to what music could be, they also kind of started... That's right, I can be really blunt here. They kind of started to pave that road in helping me understand how queer I was. <laughs> or I am. Um, because I, you know, being a kid and being raised in the 80s and early 90s, and especially with a family... And, with some southern roots like mine we didn't talk about those things and then it was a no-no conversation so seeing somebody like prince or david bowie being very effeminate and very comfortable in their sexuality was so goddamn important for me and i didn't even know it at the time um let's see uh hank williams hank williams uh, all the way through the third um listened to a lot of them they influenced a lot johnny cash influenced me a lot um Alison Krauss was a big influence. Um, oh, damn it, I just dropped his name. That's horrible. My, <laughs> my dad's going to kick my butt. Ricky Skaggs, there it is. Flat and Scruggs. Um, I really started... So Nine Inch Nails ended up creeping in there. Went through my metal and punk phase like Jello Biafra. Oh, my God, Dead Kennedys. Oh, my God, damn, yeah. Like, holy shit. Um... Like, oh, my dad hated it. Um, He hated that stage of my life. Um, And I call it a stage. I don't believe it was a phase because I still very much enjoy those bands. Um, Why am I dropping names of bands that I like? This is really bad. Because I asked you (laughs) which which bands in particular you really enjoy. Like, I can see all the album covers in my head, and I can't think of the band. I did. I listened to a lot of punk. Um, I was an absolute, like, dirty, greasy little punk kid. Um a lot of metal. I remember seeing Slayer. Oh, they did that festival down by um, where they have the farmer's market in Davenport now. I rem- Yeah, I remember seeing Slayer and just like absolutely losing my mind. Um, I was supposed, I loved Tool when I was younger. I still like them. Um, they don't give me the same feeling they did when I was younger. But I was supposed to see them live and I was right up in the front and it was when Tomahawk had opened for them and they rushed the stage and I broke two ribs and I had to be carried out um, and I went to the hospital and my parents got a phone call while they were at the veterinarian hospital because my dog started to have seizures at the same time and it was really weird um, but that was sad that I never got to see them um, I got to meet Rob Zombie and Ozzy Osbourne and they were also very big influences not musically but just there were such interesting people mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh yeah rob zombie super nice guy he is i i've met i've met both of those people too and rob zombie the impression i got from it, very nice guy rob zombie was so cool to talk to and hang out with and ozzy and i met ozzy before the show before the osborne show and he's exactly the same damn way as he was on the show he's like just shambolic and kind of i mean that and when the show came out i remember people going is that is he really like that i was like he was when i met him he was the same damn way now he was aloof 
I think would be the word I would use. He had broken his leg. So he was like on that stage with his cast on and like hobbling around. And I'm like, how many pain pills are you on right now? <laughs> because there's no way you could. Uh, nope. Like I'd be sitting down. But nope, he pushed through that. Um, I'm influenced by William Elliot Whitmore. Um, influenced me a great deal. Um because he was somebody that I had heard of locally, somebody that my friends knew personally, and he had done well for himself and got on TV and traveled internationally and has toured and has made a really good name for himself. Um, I have his name tattooed on my chest. He signed above a tattoo that I got with his lyrics, and I went and got it tattooed on me the day after. And I always like to joke that it's the only man's name I have on my body. Um, <laughs> but it's okay because we're not dating and we're not getting married, so there is no failed relationship to be had. <laughs> um, no, he's a, he's a big deal. Um, Nathaniel Ratliff and the Night Sweats um, have infiltrated my life in the last few years. I finally got to see them live at the Rust Belt. I bawled my eyes out the entire time. Um, I'm a really sensitive person when I listen to music, and things make me cry at the drop of a hat, and I can't stop it from happening, so it's just a thing everybody gets used to. Um, I actually have a goal to open for Nathaniel Ratliff someday. Um, I had the same goal for Will Whitmore, and I got to achieve that goal, and I got to open for him, and that was incredible, and a bucket list item I got to cross off my list. Um... Yeah, a lot, a lot of people influence me though. Mm. It's really it's really hard to like pinpoint a lot. I would say those are my main ones. Yeah. <laughs> well, you you mentioned that being something you crossed off your bucket list. What are some of your goals in terms of music and your music career? Um, I really want to play the festival circuit around the country. Um, I love outdoor shows. I love music festivals. It is there's nothing else like it um it's just just an incredible experience i think and then there's a lot of things i've not gotten to do um in regards to that like there are some stages i'd really like to play on like summer camp i'd like to get to summer camp someday um i think that would be cool um i've been lucky i did get to play over uh, in the uk um about 10 years ago i was there for three or four weeks and it was an experience um but the way the community like listens to music over there is really different than what i've experienced here um not better or worse just different um people are quieter and more attentive i will say that um and they really eat up like americana like bluegrass and folk and things like that they really really dig that shit so like I've had excellent reception here, and I had really good reception over there, so I'd really like to travel out of the country again at some point, should I ever have the money, which I never will, but we can dream. Um, Everybody thinks that I want to get signed to a label, and I don't, um, necessarily. That's not something that I'm, like, really gunning for, but on the bottom of my bucket list is Bloodshot Records. I like that label a lot. Um... There's a couple labels I'm okay with if I were to feel like I needed that next step or if they approached me, which I don't really see happening, but maybe. Um, touring in general is kind of a bucket list item because I, I need to get the fuck out of the Midwest for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've had some invites to Oregon and we have some shows to book in Memphis, which I know isn't too terribly far out, but it's far out enough. Mm-hmm. Um I really want to tour the East Coast. I like the coasts, both sides. I'd really like to go along. And I have had this idea, another bucket list item that's close to the top, but I really have to, I have to make it happen. Um, I want to start north, and I want to travel the Mississippi from north to south, and I want to do a port tour from a houseboat. <laughs> I have to travel by houseboat. It has to happen. Um, whether that's with my band or solo, I'd love to have my whole band come. I think that would be a really unique tour just to hit those towns along the river. Uh, and a lot of fun for us. And I can go fishing. So <laughs> I'd be all right with all of those things. Um, otherwise, like musically, that's, I mean, those are really my big bucket list items. There's a, Like I said, there's a few bands I'd like to open for. Um, Nathaniel Ratliff being one. Shovels and Rope, I think, would be 
incredible. And then there are some really big names that I'm not even going to say out loud because it's going to sound stupid the minute it leaves my mouth because it would never happen in a million years. But they are written down somewhere. So as long as they're written down somewhere, the universe will hear it, I guess. Um, but yeah, I just, I just want to keep going. I don't ever want to stop. Uh, and I just want to keep expanding where we can play at because I think traveling and making new connections and meeting more musicians is really important because if you don't build upon each other I don't know people get really competitive I think sometimes um, and especially when there's more bands than there is city to play in um, and I feel that here sometimes with there being competition um, not that people are being assholes on purpose, but I, I feel like they're just, everybody's clamoring to get to the top. And I don't think that that is a journey that needs to be taken. I don't know. We're all in the same boat and we're all trying to create. And for whatever reasons we have to do that. And um, now I've just traveled off completely into a left field somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. Um, what about Austin? I think you guys would fit in really well in, in Austin. Texas scares yeah. me. Why is why why does Texas scare you? I don't know because anybody I know Austin is so much different than the rest of Texas. Trust me, it's an oasis in the middle of the rest of Texas. But you still have to get through Texas to get there. <laughs> um, because the people that I people that I know that have gone to Texas have had really unusually scary experiences in Texas, which kind of just makes me nervous. Um, same with Missouri. Not a huge fan. I've not had good experiences in Missouri. Um, and I'm afraid of the cops in Missouri. So I don't I don't go there anymore. <laughs> Except to go see to go where my family lives. But that's just like right over the border, so I don't have to but dip a toe into one side and we're good. Um, I don't know. I Austin's been brought up before. Um, I could probably withstand Texas to get to Austin. There are some spots, I think, in Florida that I would absolutely say no to. But Florida, in a whole, again, although they have manatees. So I have a reason to go there. It just may not be to play music. But you never know. It's interesting to me that so many of your goals revolve around live performance as opposed to recording. Um, is that you know and you know having seen you guys live before is it it's you you know you have a very um you're very much a live band you have that kind of visceral feel and that's often difficult to replicate in the studio and a lot of bands that have that you know there's so many bands it's like you got to see them live because it's so different being in the studio even if you record it live in the studio it's often difficult given the sterility of the studio experience even under the most, you know, aesthetically rough uh, experiences, it's still much different than a live performance. Um, do you find that kind of difficult to, you know, to replicate that live feel? And do you think that's why, you know, you feel more comfortable and your goals are more geared towards that that performance setting? Uh, no, absolutely. I struggle with recording. Um, I'm always unhappy with the way my voice sounds. And I'm like our first album was done at Flat Black, and it was done very well. Luke Tweedy is a joy to work with. Um, I just, for as good as it sounds, I know that's not what we sound like live, um, and it's impossible to capture that sound. Um, we're working on another album. I'm working on a solo album, and I'm trying to be really kind to myself because I know it is not going to turn out the way that it is for people when they're there. Um, so, like, while recording is important and we do need to get this stuff laid out, and we will, um, I don't feel as much of a fire under my ass to do it as I, I love, I just like playing live. I hate playing live. I love playing live. Um, I'm a very nervous person. I throw up before, like, every show. Um, I've been doing this for 20 years. still get sick. Um, and shake and forget lyrics and it is just absolutely nerve-wracking um being a front person for a band but it's also one of the greatest experiences i've ever had in my life so you kind of do what you have more fun doing and i have more fun playing live than i do in a studio unfortunately <laughs> so that's just kind of where i sit but it will be nice to get these albums done and to have things recorded because people want it really really bad so i have to 
fact, I have to do that. They, I owe them that. <laughs> <laughs> so outside of music, what are some of the things that you're interested in and that you're passionate about? Um, well, I sit on the board for De La Cert House, um, and they help um, homeless individuals who have HIV or AIDS um, with kind of getting back up in life and housing and things like that. Um, I'm definitely passionate about fighting poverty. Um, I grew up poor. I have been homeless. I have had to go days without eating for months at a time. Um, I know what that feels like and it's awful and the fact that anybody would look down upon people who are struggling just infuriates me and the fact that we have so many people struggling period infuriates me um i'm so i'm really passionate about that i'm really passionate about advocacy for domestic violence obviously um i will i've helped people write letters for court um i will go with you and hold your hand um it's Spreading awareness about about domestic violence, both on men and women, is really important because um, it happens on both sides. Um, I do a lot of art. A lot of people don't know that. I draw um, and I paint, and I do beadwork and jewelry making, and I knit. Well, I used to knit, but I like to crochet more. But I crochet all the time, and I make worry blankets. Um, so if I find out if somebody's having a particularly difficult time in life, I will worry about them, and I crochet to alleviate stress and anxiety. So I make them a blanket while I worry, and then I give it to them as a comfort item to help alleviate their worries. And I do it for free and at random. Um, it's not something I like to make money off of. That's not the point of it. Um, just try to help both sides there. Um, I like to clean, which is something that is weird. I'm on the autism spectrum, and I have some weird psychiatric disorders, and I like to clean and organize. Um, it brings me a lot of relief and, <laughs> and comfort. Um, so I like to organize other people's houses. Um, There's a business opportunity there, Jenny. I know. I know. Actually, um, on the 23rd, I'm going to help clean and organize somebody's house. So, And on Sunday, I will be shampooing carpets for somebody else. And I think it's kind of nice. <laughs> um, yeah. I, there's a lot. I, I like to woodwork. I like to work on cars. I like to hike and camp and fish. And there's not a lot that I don't do. I'll say that. Um <laughs> Being a mom was not on my list of things to do, but it is something that I've enjoyed, and it's been a challenge, and I have a really strange approach to parenting that most people don't always agree with, um, but that's okay. Um, a little unconventional. Um, but I would say that's something that I think this is the first time I've ever said this out loud. I think I'm good at being a parent. Um, I didn't think I was, but now that I have teenagers and they're not absolute terrors, I think I've done all right. So I can say that out loud now. Um, yeah, I don't know. Home improvement stuff, too. I like to work around the house. And, um, like, renovations and stuff, I've helped out. I love to do things like that. And laying tile, I think, is a lot of fun. So, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I like to do a lot. <laughs> So where did the where did you get the name for the band? The dirt. I, obviously, your name you got it because th that's the name you were given when you were born. But the, the Dirty Roosters. So I mean, obviously, there's like you know double entendre there, and I'm wondering if, you know how much of that is involved, or if it was something completely innocent and innocuous where you saw a sign and you're like, oh, that's kind of a neat name or whatever. It started off completely innocent. Um, I used to have a CB radio when I was younger, and I used to talk to truck drivers <laughs> and dirty rooster was my handle <laughs> and that's really it's that simple um and then when i moved into my first apartment after i got divorced um my neighbors right upstairs from me were good friends of mine and the only there was a stairwell that connected our apartments and there was nobody else so we left our doors open a lot and we had walkie talkies and continued to use my handle as Dirty Rooster and uh, with our walkie-talkies, and it was fucking silly. But, yeah, that's really where it came from. I just was, I talked to truck drivers about nothing in particular. Just, I don't know. I was like 10. <laughs> Looking at your musical influences, um, I mean, whenever I've heard you guys, you you have that kind of Americana feel to you, and it's a very kind of rootsy sound. Um, 
But given the fact that you like they might be giants and Cindy Lauper, has there ever been a time when you've sat down and you've done something with that kind of more synth driven sound like Nine Inch Nails, like they might be giants, and then still had your kind of, you know, rootsy, gutsy singing on it? I do actually have a handful of songs that are recorded that I have not released that are more in that vein. And I do get song ideas like that, but I don't have access to the instruments to create those things. Um, So it's probably the only reason that I don't. Um, But I absolutely get ideas and have written little ditties that are way more in line with that synth sound Mm -hmm. and like that real like nerd pop sound um, than what I do typically. Um, uh, Maybe I'll post one later today, Mm -hmm. just just to see. (laughs) Have you ever heard Yaz? No. Never heard Yaz, a.k.a. Yazoo, as they were called in Britain. Have you ever heard of Alison Moye? No. You really need to check out Yaz and Alison Moye. Right. I'm serious. You know, it's very... Um, it's really catchy, synthy, but the 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 singing is very soulful and from the heart. Yeah, that sounds cool. I would, have, yeah. You gonna remember that? Because I won't. My brain, will, it'll, it's it's already, it's like halfway across the room already. I should mention you're talking to your husband. People can't see, him. they're like, who the hell is she talking to? Her husband is sitting right next to her, and that's who she's addressing when she it seems as if she's addressing someone at random. So, um, is there a, what have we not talked about that you'd like to talk about? What do you think is really important that we may not have touched upon? Okay. All right. So. This isn't really a bitch more than it's something that I that I have experienced. But mostly, like, lately I've had a lot of other people tell me they've experienced this. And it makes me really sad. Um, being a woman in the music industry is fucking hard. Um, I have been stiffed on pay. I have had venue operators try to lower my pay. I have had other bands refuse to shake my hand. Um, I have been, I've been denied gigs for being quote, not conventional looking enough, um, which included my weight. Um, I've straight up been told to lose weight and I would do better. Um, I don't know why people feel like they have the right to comment on things like that. Um, But I've had some female musicians, which I don't run into as many as I'd like, who've come forward and told me similar stories. And um, that's something that I think doesn't get a lot of attention is how hard it is to navigate these spaces that are very heavily male dominated. Um, and then when you add in the fact that, that I, that I'm in the LGBTQ community, um, and, uh, and sometimes I'm masculine leaning, so I definitely don't look like a woman. Um, and then that makes people even that much more uncomfortable. So I think there needs to be some discussion at some point. Um, about how to navigate these spaces and how to treat everybody kind of across the board like fairly um and not shaking a woman's hand is really fucking shitty (laughs) like don't do that and there's a lot of competition sometimes between women i've noticed like they almost pit each other against each other um because there's not a lot of us and uh and I don't know why people fuel that fire. Like, I've ran in, and I'm not going to mention any names, but I've ran into some other people who do play often around here who are women. And they almost get shitty with you if you are, like, encroaching on venues that they may play more often or vice versa. And it's, it's just a weird environment that I don't think is necessary. And, and it makes me sad because there should not be this struggle. Um, also fellas in any bands need to stop hitting on any of the women in the bands as well because that never goes well um well it's the same thing as like hitting on people you work with like i mean even i i remember talking to a friend of mine about i never i would never even consider hitting on anybody who at a place that i go frequently like a coffee shop or a restaurant or something like that because again it's like why bother there we live in a world of eight billion people why can you not like have the self-restraint to not do something stupid that you know 99 percent of the time it's not gonna it, it you're gonna break up and then it'll be awkward so why not just stay away from that whole situation any situation 
situation that could potentially be awkward and add to the drama in your life, I don't understand why people go ahead and do it. Nope, absolutely. Um, I've had fellow bandmates in the past say, after a few months profess their love to me or just like straight up try to make out with me in the kitchen one night. Um, that was, oh my God, inappropriate as fuck. Um, and it doesn't, it ha- oh my God, it happens like a lot. And I don't know if it's, musicians are a strange breed of people and I know are a little more emotionally in tune I think sometimes or they think they are and then they read way too much into lyrics or something and then the next thing you know somebody's in love with somebody else and then they're in love with somebody else and then you've got the moms and the papas or some <laughs> or something else it just or Fleetwood Mac, Fleetwood Mac. and we don't need any of I mean I'm all for polyamory like well date whoever the fuck you want but like don't be sneaky about it and stop trying to fuck your bandmates because it doesn't work like goddamn. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So there's that. Glad I got that off my chest. It's good to know. It's good to know. Why, why do you think people are, I mean, why do you think people are like that so much? I don't, I'm gonna, I don't get that either. I really don't understand why people give a shit so much about how other people lead their lives and the decisions that they make as long as it doesn't influence or impact them in any way, shape, or form. I just don't get why people would treat if you're gay, straight, you're a woman, you're whatever. I mean, me, I don't give a shit. Uh, as long as you're cool to me, I'm cool to you. But if you're an asshole to me, I don't really care what you are, or we gay, straight, whatever race you are. You're an asshole. You're an, a- you're an asshole. I mean, sorry, I'm going to call you out on being an asshole. But if you're, as long as you're cool with me, why? as long as it doesn't impact my life, why should I give a shit what you do, like how you cut your hair, what, how you look, whatever? I mean, to each their own, pursue your own level of happiness. And I guess I just don't get why people feel the need to control others and control uh, the parameters with which they live their lives. So I do, I have an answer to that. Um, whether it's the right answer, I don't know. Um, I do think certain, I, fuck it. Religion has a lot to do with it. I'm just going to say it. Um, <laughs> religion dictates a lot and it really really annoys me and I'm not bad mouthing anybody that wants to believe whatever they want to believe I genuinely do not give a shit um, but when it controls how society operates and how we view people it's a problem there religion is a personal decision it is not it should not have a big swath over communities of people um, the way that it does and it really bums me out because they're really shitty excuses to be mean to people um politics have a lot to do with it Mm -hmm. um i really hate the argument it's how i was raised because i had a lot of really nasty influences um growing up and i do not abide by any of those teachings whatsoever i knew at a young age it was wrong um and i'm sure i said some ignorant things when i was a kid um we all do but the point is is that you can like learn and move on and some people i don't know if they're just unwilling to move on or they're unwilling to learn or they're just so absolutely terrified of things that are different um it's, you know i mean it's like pop psychology 101 but like people don't like what they're afraid of or what they don't understand um and i don't really think there's a fear of like gay people per se i just think you take religion, you take politics, environmental factors, where you were raised, who you were raised with, whatever is being impounded, I guess, into your head. And if you never get a chance to hear otherwise, and I guess that's where that really falls into it. If nobody tells you otherwise, how are you going to question something that you don't know you should question, I guess? Um, but I still believe in personal accountability. So you get to a certain age and with the Internet. I mean, come on, like you can't you're going to hear both sides of it and why people would choose to stay on the side of hating everybody that's different from them is beyond me. Um, but yeah, there's the, the I get really frustrated with that topic. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that does bring a, a, a good point in regard to religion. I'm glad you brought that politics into it too. Cause I was going to say, I, uh, having been raised Catholic and having gotten away from the Catholic church and what have you due to a variety of things you know not the least of which is the fact that i disagree with hiding child molesters but you know i'm um, kind of a big deal um but uh 
But yeah, you know, I, I think I've gotten to the point where it's like any group mentality, any sublimation of yourself and your own free will into that of a group tends to produce a power structure which ends up being corrupt. Because once there's that power, somebody is going to manipulate it, and they're going to utilize that power of the group to negative means or to selfish means. And I think the the cure for that is don't join any groups. I mean, just kind of think for yourself. It's okay to to, um, kind of, you know, get together with people with whom you have mutual interests and things of that nature. But the minute you start to identify yourself too strongly or put yourself into, well, I'm this or I'm this, then you allow somebody else to tell you how to think and how to and to lead you. And you start to put a little too much into it and you see anyone who is the other as an enemy as opposed to somebody who merely has a different experience than you in regard to life yeah nope absolutely i i mean i when i get asked very directly i fall in line with atheism but i'm a very loose atheist um and that i'm not going to tell everybody else that i am i am not going to suggest that that's what everybody should be um because i don't have to live life for everybody else um and they all have to decide their journeys for themselves. Um, but I also know I could be proven wrong at some point. And if I am, I welcome that. Like, if science wants to tell me that there is something greater than all of this, by all means, I'll take it. Um, but yeah, being very science-leaning, um, I even hesitate using the word atheist because I think there's now like this weird like douchebag connotation to that word. And I don't like that. Um, I should be able to say that freely without there being some idea of like basement dwelling uh well it's more agnostic i mean agnostic i think that's you know it's sort of like you know you belong to the church of i don't know i'm not sure and that's science really because science is a lot of i don't know i'm not sure i mean there could there there could be but you know yeah right but i'm pretty sure what it is but there's always a margin of error because you can't be so sure of yourself that i mean that's just well it's just arrogant isn't it (laughs) like just being that absolutely certain i mean i can't even be absolutely certain that we're going to see the same color when we look at the color red over there you know Mm -hmm. um so like that kind of certainty makes me really uncomfortable um with ideas like that and i mean like you know put an algebraic equation in front of me we're going to be certain that the answer is going to be what it's going to be but even how you get there sometimes isn't always the same route um there's a correct route i guess um Anyway, I, I think we can both be, we can all be certain though that if somebody starts playing the first notes of "Sweet Home Alabama," that you hope that it's not Kid Rock. Yes, that's that's fair, and everybody should feel that way. <laughs> God damn. That's that's something upon which we can all agree, other than maybe Kid Rock and his immediate family and friends. <laughs> so, uh, anything else that you'd like to add before we sign off, Jenny? Um. Can I plug a show? Go right. Of course, yes. That's what we're here for. Go ahead, plug your show, plug whatever you got coming up. So on uh, on March 7th, um, I am throwing a benefit. Um, this year it's called Hope for Humanity. And if it goes well this year, I will do another one next year in which the theme will change and we're looking at Hoedown for Humanity. Um, or Hootenanny for Humanity. Haven't decided yet. But anyway, March 7th um, at 4.30 p.m. Thank you. Um <laughs> I needed that. So um, I made an event page for this and did not realize it was set to private. And once you've, like, concreted an event on Facebook, you cannot change its privacy settings. I did not know this. Um, So I have to invite people to the event itself. But then we made a flyer, so I'm going to be passing this around on Facebook so everybody can see. But for the record, it's at uh, 1501 West 3rd Street in Coal Valley. Again, it starts at 4.30 on March 7th, which is a Saturday. Um, we will have Charming Darwin, the Channel Cats, Mill City Mob. We'll have us. We'll be playing. Um, the Memphis Dives and the Common Faces will be headlining. We will have... Uh, craft vendors we will have food there's going to be some really good raffles um we'll have three different baskets to raffle off uh 
one of which will, will contain a lot of chocolate and coffee products, one of which will have donations from local businesses, um, like gift cards and things like that. And then the third one will be kind of a crafty basket, which I am currently making a 150 granny squared hexagonal blanket that I am like just rapidly crocheting as fast as I can to make sure that it is done in time. Um, but it's going to be a really good time. It's out on private property. Um, it is kid-friendly, but obviously we will have uh, bracelets and stuff to differentiate between those that are 21 and up and those that are under the age, because if I catch you with a beer, I'm going to kick your ass and send you on your way. <laughs> um, BYOB, that makes it really easy. Um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a good time. I'm really excited about it. <coughs> and then we're playing at the Life is Beautiful benefit at the end of May. <coughs> oh, my God. Vintage Torque Fest on May 2nd. We'll be there. And um, currently waiting for festivals to get back to us for the rest of the summer. And we'll be out in Memphis, I'm hoping, by the end of the summer. So I'm going to take a drink of this before I die. <laughs> okay. Cool. So thank you very much for appearing on the show. Um, as I mentioned, been a few of your shows before and seen you guys, and I've I've always enjoyed. You know, I think you're a fantastic performer. You got a great band, and I love the fact that you guys have such a visceral live show. You have you know just a great sound to you. So um, definitely check them out if you get the chance. Um, Jenny Lynn Stacy and the Dirty Roosters. If you see them on a venue, you know go and check them out. Go and give them a uh, you know give them a shout out. Also. Um, March 7th, go to the benefit. Uh, we'll have more about that on quadcities.com. And, of course, keep an eye on quadcities.com. We'll be reporting on your future gigs and, and things of that nature. So keep an eye out for them. Jenny Lynn Stacy and the Dirty Roosters. Again, thank you, Jenny Lynn Stacy, for being the guest on QC Uncut. Thank you for having me. This was fun. <laughs> and thank you for listening to QC Uncut. Uncut, unedited, uncensored conversation with local newsmakers. Tell everyone you know about the show. You can check it out for free on Q- quadcities.com. That's right, quadcities.com. I'm Sean Leary, and hope you have an awesome day.